Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Good Advice Podcast. Man, we got a lot to talk about today and not a lot of time to do it today. Uh, it is a late night episode for me. I'm recording at the end of a long work day. Wanted to get this episode out. Had a lot I wanted to share. Um, and I'm excited to talk today. We haven't, we haven't done a leadership episode in a while. It's been a minute. So we've done a leadership episode, which is funny because this is kind of our bread and butter. I mean, when I think about how I got into the business world, it came through an opportunity to work at a basically like a leadership consulting company. And I, for a long time, have been really interested in the topic of leadership, culture. You know, for those of you who know me, you know, that's a big part of my background with having been a high school teacher and not worked in a really great environment, yada, yada, yada. There's a lot that comes with that that I don't want to get into today. I don't have time to get into it today. But all that to say, we're going to be talking today about how do you be a better manager? How do you be a better leader? And talk a little bit about some of the interactions I've had in the past with that. So all that to say, before we dive into today's episode, we're going to have a quick word from one of the amazing businesses that sponsor the podcast. Check out this quick ad, and then we'll be right back in about 90 seconds. See you soon. Running a business full-time includes so many things that you have to worry about that you frankly don't always have the time you need to think about your home. When that latest hailstorm hits and you're thinking about roof repairs or maybe you're working on a new construction project and you got to call someone to build your roof, a lot of times as business owners, we're like, man, tell me who to call, tell me who I can trust, tell me who I can rely on so I don't have to worry about this and instead I can focus on building my business. Well, that's why today I want to tell you about Boston Mountain Roofing. I've known their owner, Colby Thornburg, for several years now, and I have to tell you, these guys aren't like any other roofers. They do their job with absolute integrity, and they're absolutely interested in giving you a quality roof that, most importantly, is going to last. On top of this, we all know those contractors that you can never get a hold of. You never know when they're showing up on time. You're like, where is this person? And frankly, what's, you know, why is my bill just running up? That's not the case with Boston Mountain Roofing. They believe in showing up on time, getting the work done when they said they would, and most importantly, being totally transparent with the cost, all while giving you an incredible experience. So go to bostonmountainroofing.com to get a free quote or call 479-449-ROOF. That's 479-449-7663. All right, so like I said, we got a lot to talk about. Not a lot of time to get into it. Um, I love talking leadership. I, I mentioned this in the intro. I, I uh, Leadership has been something I've been pretty fascinated with for a long time. I have been very blessed to have had some amazing bosses in the past. I think about the summer camp that I worked at, um, which is always funny when people, I say people as if this happens a lot. This, this doesn't happen a lot, actually. And this is, by the way, this is like a totally, not to hijack the conversation with a totally random segue, but I was talking with a guy who's working on some, uh, getting like a coaching certification, and he was looking at a certain coaching program which is fine. There's no issue with this, by the way. But I did mention, hey, just so you know, like none of my customers have ever asked me what my certifications are. Now, to my credit, I have, you know, probably like $10,000 worth of certifications to my name. 
but no one's ever asked. No one's ever cared. Uh, I'm a doctoral candidate at doctoral candidate at the U of A. No one's ever asked about that. No one cares about that. Uh, and when I finish my doctorate, whenever that'll be, um, again, no one's, no one's going to care. So, you know, all that to say, I, I think a lot of the stuff doesn't, it doesn't really matter anyway. That's like my random segue, but I will say the few times someone has asked me like, what's your story? Like, did you get your MBA somewhere? What'd you do? It is fun to be like, no, like I learned what I learned from summer camp and they're like summer camp. Like, wait, what? That's a bit strange. And it was only because I had a really amazing boss who, I mean, literally was an incredible, it was an incredible gift to work for this person. Cause this person shaped how I saw other people. This was somebody who really understood the value of investing in the individual person. I would describe this person by, in fact, this person had this written on their wall. They had a picture frame on the wall that I've never forgotten. I remember sitting at his desk, chatting with him, and on my left on the wall was this picture frame that read, see the greatness before the lack. This was this guy's motto. And he wasn't always the the kindest person. He was very candid, um, wasn't, but also wasn't intentionally mean either. So I, I really was just candid. Um, and this was someone who working for this person absolutely shaped my leadership philosophy. So I've, I've been very blessed. Like I use that word intentionally. Like I really feel like it was a blessing, that it was a gift to grow up with some of the mentors I've had in my life. I just mentioned this one guy, my first real job, I worked for this bakery out of Little Rock and the bot, my boss was just awesome. He was incredibly trusting. He was incredibly kind. And when I messed up, he was, he gave me an enormous amount of grace. I remember there was this, so part of my job was delivering bread to different restaurants. So like whenever you go eat, eat at like a nice restaurant and they bring out like the dinner rolls or like, I guess they don't call it that anymore. I don't know if they do actually, they bring out the bread basically. Well, a lot of nicer restaurants don't actually bake their own bread. They outsource it to a place like this bakery that I worked at. So part of my job every day was to drive the bread to these restaurants and deliver it. So there were already like really nice businesses um, or restaurants, but there was a day where there was a small restaurant. They they weren't that large. Um they got their delivery, I think about every day. So because they were getting it so often, they didn't get a very large order. Well, outside of town, outside of Little Rock, there was this private golfing club or like resort, honestly, called the Elotion. In fact, I wonder if this thing still exists. Let's, let's Google it. The Elotion club. Um, it does. Wow. Okay, cool. So yeah, <laughs> I love the title of this Arkansas's best and most exclusive golf golf, uh, club. So I, I, this doesn't surprise me by the way. I, I, here's the deal. I was a teenager. So if any of these details are like wrong in my mind, I will be the first one to admit that, but I'm going to tell you a story about this place. This place was like maybe 20, 30 minutes outside of Little Rock. Um, it was, it was kind of out on its own 
And driving up, I remember there being like, I, I think it was like an armed guard, like someone with like a, a, a firearm who was, I don't mean like a gate guard. I mean, like people walking around like extremely exclusive. I had a friend and this is like total like mythology now. Like I'm totally like tall tailing this, but I had like one of my coworkers was like, yeah, I think they have like a helipad. And like, anyway, this thing in our mind was like massive. Um, which would be funny if it turned out this like, this was like, just like a humble little golf club, but all this to say, I just remembered it was a very big contract for this bakery that I worked at. So I, I go to this golf club, I'm bringing this bread delivery. This one was only delivered, I think about once a week. So it was a lot larger order than some of our other customers. And I, I get there, I drop the bread off. I leave. I'm, it's kind of stressful. It takes a little bit of time to get there anyway. I drive back to Little Rock. Um, I get back to the bakery. It takes me about 30 to 40 minutes to get back. And also like the nature of this business, like it was like, there was so much trust built up that you kind of just like let yourself in, not like through the gate, but like in terms of like the place where the bread was stored, you just let yourself in and you just, you like dropped it off, put it where it needed to go. And then you left. Like there wasn't somebody who was like checking it and signing it. Um, though ironically there was at some of these smaller businesses anyway. So it takes like 30 minutes to get back to the bakery. It's my last stop of the day. I get back. My boss, Jim comes up to me and I, I literally, I still remember this. Like it was yesterday. I was standing in the back of the store. Uh, this store, by the way, hasn't changed. It's still there in literally it isn't owned by Jim anymore. He, he sold it. He moved away. Um, but I was standing in the back by the, um, the dish sinks and I was doing some dishes he walks up to me and, um, oh, and I forgot I had, I realized it's like one of those moments where like, you're thinking about your day and then like a detail, like fully like coalesce, like it, it fully comes into, into like clear view and you realize, oh crap, it's like someone texts you and the moment you can't respond. And then like five days later, you're driving and like that text pops in your mind and it was like an urgent text. And you're like, oh my gosh, I never responded. To that. Like, holy cow, I need to get back to that person. You know, like something like that. Well, when I was driving back, I was thinking just about my day and the deliveries I'd made and, oh yeah, okay. Well, I had this light bulb, oh my gosh, moment where I realized I had two deliveries. I had one to the small restaurant that got the small order. I had one to the Elotion, this large order. And I had this moment where I was replaying, placing the bread on the table at the Elotion. And I started to think about the details of that moment. And I was like, that's weird. I, yeah, I only put on the table, I have a memory. Like I only put a couple of loaves, I put some rolls, huh? And then this light bulb moment of, oh my gosh, I switched the orders. I switched the orders for these two restaurants. The place that was supposed to get the small order got the big order. And the place getting the big order got the small order. And this was, like I said, a once a week delivery. My boss had told me how important this customer was, how exclusive they were. And basically had been like, Hey, this is, this is, this is serious. We got to do a good job with this customer. So I have this light bulb moment of, Oh my gosh, I screwed this up. And at this point, I'm only like a few minutes away from the bakery. 
so I, I think I, maybe I called Jim. I don't remember what happened. He didn't answer. I, and I think I'm like maybe 16 at the time. I, I wasn't too old, 16, maybe 17. I'm in the back of the store. Jim walks up to me and he goes, and I, and I start to talk. I say, Hey Jim, um, Hey Jim, um, man, I need to tell you something. And he goes, yeah, I already know they called me and I was kind of quiet and I go, okay. And he goes, he smiles and he goes, yeah, you effed up pretty badly, huh? <laughs> and just like, I'd, I'd never, he was like the nicest guy in the world. I've never heard him curse before. So he goes, you effed up pretty badly, huh? <laughs> and he just laughed. It was like an awkward laugh actually. And I just, I'm sure I gave like an embarrassed smile and was like, I'm so sorry. And he immediately, his answer was, it's okay. It's not a big deal. It's okay. You know, double check it next time. No problem. And that was it. That was literally the only conversation we ever had about it. Um, I took a detail from that. Somebody who was gracious and generous, even when it cost him not necessarily money. I mean, I guess it did cost him money. Um, and maybe cost him even like the goodwill of a really important customer. But for 16, 17 year old me, he, he was like, Hey, it's okay. And that was it. You know, and no, no, like extra context or conversation around like, ah, oh, yeah. I mean, back then we didn't call millennials. We were just kids, but you know, oh, yeah, you millennials are so tough. <laughs> Nothing like that. And honestly, telling the story actually reminds me of my dad. Um, my dad, um, I got into a car wreck around the same age. I guess I had a tough time at this age. I got into a car wreck. I was leaving school and we were in like the, we were driving and there was like the police officer who was doing traffic. Well, I had my windows down and this cop screams into my window like into my ear basically. And the reason the cops doing this is because I have a, there's me and then there's a car, the, the cops on my left, there's me. And then on my right is another car with their windows down. And the cop is basically yelling through my car to yell at this girl who's not wearing their seatbelt. So the cop sees the person not wearing their seatbelt he yells through my open windows to this person and says, put on your seatbelt. But for me, this person, like a few feet from me, I mean, it's, it's extremely startling. You know, it's a police officer anyway. And I mean, I'm like, Whoa. And when, in this moment, when this happens, I immediately rear in the car right in front of me, the car in front of me stopped suddenly. I didn't see it. I was distracted and I slammed like right into it. The cop, by the way, was like, Oh, oh, <laughs> this guy did nothing by the way, other than just be like, Oh my bad. Um, so I drive like a block down this car pulls over. I pull over to, it's this guy picking up his kids from school. I'm leaving school and I'm like, Hey, I'm, I'm really sorry. And, um, I, I don't know what this person's going to do. I, I got, had gotten to a wreck earlier that year, I think. Um, and it wasn't my fault. It was someone who hit me and this person like reamed me like this person chewed me out for, you know, you weren't paying attention. And I mean, this person hit me, so it was a nonsensical thing. So I didn't know what this person was going to say. I didn't know how they were going to act, but I rear ended them. They had a pretty obvious dent 
in the back of their car. So I'm immediately like, Hey, are, is everyone safe? Are you guys okay? And I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry this happened. And the guy super understanding, um, which isn't really the point of the story, but super understanding. It was a Lexus that I hit Lexus SUV. And he goes, <laughs> there's a big dent in the back of his car. And he goes, uh, yeah, I normally, I wouldn't care, but I, I did just buy it and I'm driving it home from the dealership today. So you know, we should probably get it fixed. And I was like, great. Yeah. That's what I wanted. To, that's what I wanted to happen today was for me to hit your brand new vehicle today. Anyway, I'm like, my dad's going to kill me. I mean, I get home. Uh, my mom was so upset. You know, it was like, what are you doing? Like, how did this happen? Like just, she was not happy about the whole thing. I understand. So I'm expecting my dad to just like rip me a new one. I mean, I'm expecting him just to be so angry at me also. Um, cause you know, I'm gonna have to pay for this or he's gonna have to pay for this, these repairs to this car. Cause the front of my car, not only was the Lexus jacked, the front of my car was jacked. So my mom, t- I, I don't remember the details exactly, but my mom was like, Hey, you're going to have, you're going to have to call your dad and tell him what happened. So I call him and, um, I think I couldn't get a hold of him, and he called me back and, um, I get him on the phone and he says, Hey, you know, mom told me you, you hit this car today. And I immediately, I was like, yeah, dad, I, I did. I, I'm really sorry. And, um, my dad immediately, he goes, it's okay. Don't worry about it. And it was the same exact moment that I, same type of conversation I got from Jim, uh, my old boss at Old Mill Bread. And uh, yeah, I, I had, these were two moments in my life where I saw the value of a leader who can give grace, who can show grace, who can understand that mistakes sometimes really aren't like a reflection of laziness or incompetence or anything like when he gets you on a PIP plan or get you get all this worked out. And it's sometimes it's just a mistake. It's really all it is. Um, so all that to say, like I've, I've been very grateful growing up. I really do feel like it's God's providence. Like I was blessed to have some really incredible role models growing up. So that was like all of my intro, by the way. It's like, was this what even even what I wanted to talk about today? And I meant for this to be a short episode. We're already at the twenty minute mark, but um, this is all to say that you know, good leadership is something that I think a lot of people really struggle to understand. And I know this is actually true because if I was to ask you great bosses you've worked for, you could probably name a couple. But if I asked you bad bosses or bosses you didn't gel with, I would venture to guess there's a little bit more. I don't think it's 50-50. I think there are more bosses than there are good bosses. And I think worst case scenario, we can all easily tell the story of like the worst boss we've ever had. And I'm kind of like, what's up with that? Like, how do these things happen? You know, how do people get in situations where they work for such terrible bosses? And there's a lot of great data around this, by the way. There's some really great conversations around this. Um, there's, there's, there's great content around, 
Um, businesses that have an individual contributor who is really incredible at what they do, like perfect example, like someone who's the salesperson, who's an incredible salesperson. Well, if we need someone to lead the sales team, who are we going to ask? Obviously, we're going to ask the best salesperson to do that because they obviously know how to sell. What typically happens in those situations is that person who becomes the sales manager, they continue to sell because that's what they know how to do really well, but they don't at all know how to lead. And so the sales team suffers. The sales team has a really challenging time because this person was promoted for their expertise in sales, not because of their ability to lead people well. This is almost like a cliche in today's business world. It happens all the time. We're all familiar with it. And most people have experienced it in some way. The other concept that pops up is called the Peter Principle, which is basically people will be promoted until they reach a level of incompetence. Um, and it's, it's, for me, it's kind of a, a, an insight as to, you know, you don't have to always keep climbing the ladder. Like it's okay to get to a point where you're like, yeah, I've hit my sweet spot. I've hit the point where I'm, I'm, I'm doing what I need to be doing. Um, all that to say, there are people today who really don't understand how to lead well, how to be a good boss how to be a better manager. And I, I want to talk a little bit about that today. I, I guess now that we're at the past 20 minutes, I guess even shorter than longer, I've because really I've already given you some insights as to what a great boss looks like. We we often think, I say we, I think a lot of people think that a great boss is like a incredibly charismatic, incredibly personable, extroverted idea innovator. Um, and, and in some ways I can't blame people for feeling this way because people love to talk about Steve jobs and Steve jobs and all the things that happen with Steve jobs and Apple and all this stuff and not necessarily talk about the team that Steve jobs had. It's not to pull anything away from Steve's job, Steve jobs. I just think it's interesting that we have such a, a, a passion for, uh, and today the same is true about Elon Musk, by the way, we, we have, a, a, a wild craze for hyping up individual people, um, individual billionaires, which I, I think just pretty interesting. Again, nothing against these people. I just think it's interesting because we also know that it is, I don't know if it's in contradiction, but it rubs a little bit against the data we've seen for other successful businesses. Um, I think about Jim Collins, good to great. He talks about the best businesses are the ones where um, there were leaders out there who didn't seek the limelight, and yet they were incredibly gifted at the teams that they built. Uh, there was one leader who, and I don't want to name drop the leader because I I want to I want to I'm pulling from a memory that I have, but I not fully pulling it forward. And so I don't want to say it and be inaccurate as to what the business was, but there was a major business where the leader, a well-established leader had achieved some incredible gains. But when the leader left, the business was like bankrupt, like two years later. I mean, does this speak to the testament of that, like to the, the authority of that leader? Sure. In terms of like their, their proficiency in the industry, 
doesn't mean they were actually a great boss. And I would argue, no, if, if your business can't survive without you, you're not really leading. Well, you're really just delegating. You're really just, you know, using your own expertise and managing others to get essentially the the jobs done that you want to get, get done. Now in that, you know, time that you're working for the business, I mean, it obviously feels really great, but in my mind, if, if the business is dead three years later, what was the point of all of that? Right. But what Jim Collins talks about in good to great is that great businesses truly understand the value of their people and invest in their people. And that's really what I want to get across today. Um, I had a guy who I, I was coaching years ago, a manager who really was struggling. Um, we did a 360 feedback assessment. This is like a, I won't get too into it today. I just put an article on LinkedIn where I get a lot more in detail on it. So you can check that out. It's also on the website. Uh, so you can check that out. And then also if you're interested in like a 360, you can email me. We can have that conversation also. It's it's actually probably my favorite tool in like the leadership assessment space. But I was coaching this guy. He was a director in this certain part of the business. He got a 360. It's basically this assessment where everyone gives you feedback on how you're doing. Most people, when they get this feedback, they respond with, oh my gosh, I had no idea. Um, I want to be a better boss, yada, yada. This guy responded with, holy cow, I need to fire some people. To which I was like, well, hang on. No, no, that's not, that's not what the takeaway is supposed to be. It's not about, it's not about firing people. It's, you know, this is about you, your personal development. Like if these people aren't happy to work for you, which some of these comments, by the way, to say people didn't like working for him is putting it extremely lightly. To this day, I've never seen such harsh comments. One person wrote, this guy is not just a bad boss, but a terrible human being. I have to this day, and this is an anonymous survey, which anonymous, like you would think people are totally honest. Not true. Even anonymous even like anonymous data, people still hold back a little bit because part of them wonders like, is it really anonymous? And so you'll get things like, oh, they could be nicer. They could be less, you know, or they're a little frazzled or disorganized or, you know, you get some like comments like that. This person and like these comments held nothing back. He's a terrible human being, awful boss, hate working for him, all this stuff. And then this guy's response to all of this was, I need to fire these people. These guys are crazy. Um, to which I was like, hang on no." And, and what was interesting was when we talked about being a better boss, this person couldn't take the self ownership of his role in being a better leader. And I, I think that's a big part of the takeaway is, you know, at the end of the day, and, and it's, I'm not even trying to be like crazy capitalist over here. I, I won't even say so much as like, at the end of the day, it's about the business. It's not about you. It's about making the business better, not you. I, I don't think I necessarily feel that way. It's it's because at the end of the day, like I really don't care if like a certain business is like a monolith. Like it just it just remains across the the eras of time. I, I I'm kind of like whatever. I mean, unless you're like a business that has like a really meaningful service, like 
you help foster kids, then I'm like, well, yeah, I want you to be around forever. Or like Ronald McDonald House Charity is one of my favorite customers. Like I want them to be around forever. They're they're providing an incredible service. They're an amazing customer. And I've had friends who've benefited and are so grateful for them. So like, I want them to be around forever, but like every other business, I'm like, you know, I don't necessarily care if they're here 50 years from now or not, unless they're like genuinely doing a, a, a meaningful thing for people. So it's not even so much about do the right thing for the sake of the business. I, I think really great leadership at the end of the day, it's about people. It's about people. And we as human beings are inherently selfish. Um, not, not, I don't mean even in a malicious way. I think about, you know, when we, if, if you're a Christian, you'll get this. If you're not, maybe not so much, we'll get it. But as Christians, so often when we pray, who do we pray for first? A lot of times me, a lot of times, you know, help me with this and God, I'm thinking about this. And, and, and again, I'm not trying to give anyone like a, a crisis of how they pray. <laughs> I'm just saying like, you know, we just, we, we are the main character in our lives, understandably. So it's not uncommon for a professional to see things through the lens of themselves. And, and this is going to sound kind of harsh. The people that work for them being a means to bigger and better heights, you know, climbing up that corporate ladder. Right. But I think really when we talk about why we were put on this earth, why were we put on this earth? I can't help but feel like it is to impact people in not just a positive way, but a transformational way. We were put on this earth to impact people meaningfully. I don't know if like selling a product is enough to do that. I don't know if being even a good manager is enough to do that. I think that the best leaders understand that and are somewhat obsessive over it in the sense of how do I equip, mentor, and train the people who work for me so that they can achieve bigger and better things? And I want to go back to that mentor I talked about who had that portrait on his wall that said, see the greatness before the lack. Him and I would have a conversation where he would give me some feedback and then sometimes it really, it would really hurt. It'd be hurtful feedback, but he always ended it with Blake. I am so for you and I want to see you achieve better things than I ever achieved. And this was someone who I saw as like the peak of success. He was Superman in my mind. So for me to like conceptually think like, well, greater things, that's not possible, but he was obsessive over that obsessive, not in a weird way, but like this was a main driver for him, bigger and better heights, achieving greater things. And I want to take us back to that analogy of the ladder. So often we're thinking about that next rung. I'm not even talking about the corporate world. You're running your business. What's the next rung of your business? What's the next step? It's not a bad thing to think about. But I will say, I think great leaders 
aren't just thinking about the next step of the ladder. They're doing what my mentor would describe to me. They're holding the ladder for other people to climb up. It's not about like a mass service thing. It's not about, you know, it's like being nice to people in general. It's about, I'm intentionally holding this ladder so that you, Blake, can climb up and achieve better things. That's what makes a great boss. Talk about servant leadership, but not a lot of people understand what that means. You're serving the people who work for you. You're holding the ladder. And the reason you're holding the ladder is because you see the greatness in them before you see the lack of what they don't have. And that takes an intentional thing. It's an intentional skill to train to do that well. Hey, I don't know about you, but it's late for me. This podcast has gone on longer than I meant to. There's a lot more to talk about this. We're going to have to continue this conversation at some point. I will say until we have our next conversation on it, man, on the channel, on the podcast, we got so many episodes on leadership and management. I love this topic. I think having a great boss can be the single most transformational thing in your career. Uh, More than any class you can take, more than any training you can go to, having someone who's interested in your success and who will hold the ladder for you can be the single greatest thing for you, for your future, and for your business. So why don't we try to do that for some of the people who work for us and replicate our success in them? That's what it's all about. That's what all that's what all of this grinding is for, right? Hey, if you enjoyed this episode, thanks so much for tuning into the podcast. Uh, we post our episodes three times a week, so you can check out any of our other episodes as they come out. If you're a first-time listener, hey, I'd love a follow or a subscription to the podcast. I'd love to keep bringing you good advice wherever you are. We do have a Patreon. It's at patreon.com slash advice. If you want to support the podcast there for as little as the price of a cup of coffee, or if you want to advertise on the podcast, you can always reach out, Blake, at goodadvicecoaching.com. That's today's good advice. I'll catch you later. See ya.